eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You've discovered your link to gopowercat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, gopowercat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast. We are open for business. Even though K-State basketball has gone into neutral for the moment. We're taping this on uh, Wednesday evening. We are shortly before when they should have tipped off, and it is not happening. It sucks. I want basketball. But I get it. I don't want them playing games shorthanded, at least that shorthanded, as they did Saturday against Oklahoma State. I kind of feel like if they'd had a full roster the way they played, they, they might have won that game. But so be it. No Iowa State-Kansas State game on Wednesday. And we will find out if they go to Texas on Saturday. I would tend to guess as I sit here today, that will not happen either. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, and Ryan Gilbert. And we are sponsored by The Fridge. Make sure you stop into The Fridge next football season when you come to town. But that won't be on the first weekend of September. If you're in Manhattan for a football game on, what's the date, Zach? September 4th? That is correct. I got that correct. You're in the wrong damn place. Kansas State has moved its season opening game with the Stanford Cardinal to Dallas, Arlington, to the Jerry Dome, AT&T Stadium in Arlington. And they are receiving a giant stinking paycheck to do so. We'll get into all of that and why they did it and what we think about it. And along with many other questions from Wabash Station on this edition of the K-State podcast, you can't miss. Well, you can miss it. Then you won't get in trouble. I mean, it's not like, it's, you know, just, just listen. That's all I'm trying to say. Uh, Gilbert, just tell everyone to listen. Just tell everyone to listen. Listen. Thank you. See, it's. It's uh, it's it was really definitive there by Gills. That was mm-hmm. precious. Yeah, our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. Support your local businesses. Come on in to Manhattan whenever you can, and get to the fridge and Tanners and the High Low. They get their booze from the fridge. You should too. Okay, guys, let's just dive in here. I don't know who's asking the questions. Gills. Uh, Gills can Gills can ask. Mm, oh boy! I'm oh, back. We oh, just we oh. tossed it into Gills' lap. <laughs> Send it to Gills. Mm, take it away, Ryan Gilbert. All righty. First question of the podcast from Ema Wildcat eighty two. Will AT and T Stadium allow full capacity for the September fourth game against Stanford? Is this part of our season ticket we rolled over to twenty twenty one, or do we get to buy it again? 
Okay, uh, a lot of things going on there and a lot of things uh, just kind of under the umbrella of moving the game that we're going to touch on. We're not going to answer multiple questions yeah. on this. Uh, first, it won't be part of your season ticket, and here's why. Um, the season ticket will still have seven home games. They have two other home games on their non-conference schedule so and five Big 12 games are in Manhattan next year. This actually solved a problem for Kansas State, and here's why. The the ticket prices are based on seven home games. Next year, 2021, next season, they were going to have eight home games, and that would have meant they would have had to raise prices. And that and you never win when they raise the prices, Zach. You want to know why? Why? Because they never go down. They would have raised them for eight, and then next year it would have been seven, and they would have stayed the same. I know how they work because I would do the same thing. So it it stopped them from having to raise home ticket prices, season ticket prices for next year. They still have seven games. That'll be your ticket. If you rolled over, that's what you're paid for. This game is different. This will now be an add-on ticket, and you will be able to, you know, based on your donor points, the same thing that affects your seating at Bill Snyder family. It'll be based on that. This is considered a K-State home game. In fact, you know, they'll manage the game. The, it'll be the band, the PA, all the videos will be K-State. It's all part of a K-State experience in Arlington against Stanford. So uh, I get that some people are upset. I know local business would like them to be here, but they'll still get the normal number of home games, whether you're a fan or a business. You'll still get seven games. And now you have the option of going to Arlington for a game, and that opens up a venue for a lot of fans that are south of here that now will have a game closer to them. We have a lot of K-Staters, not just in the Metroplex, but all over Texas and Oklahoma and, you know, just just down there that maybe want to go down to Dallas. Um, So it's good for them. I don't know. Zach, give me your thoughts overall. I feel like I left out part of that question at the first part or something i, I can't remember what no. it was. Uh, oh well it'll be full capacity uh, who knows i, I, who, who I knows? hope so yeah. i hope so i hope that it's full capacity by then i don't i don't want to say that i doubt that it will be i want to remain hopeful but knowing just what it's doing to this basketball season right now this virus i i'm not holding out hope but there will at least be 25% probably. I don't think that's going to change. So if you, if you want to go, you might have to pay a little bit, a little bit of a premium, but in the end, you can probably still go if you, if you really do want to go. Yeah. We can't tell, you know, get, get vaccinated if you get a chance and uh, maybe we can resume life as we knew it or catch it and get those antibodies. Yeah. that That's good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, back to the question though, the, or the second half, or well, I guess the, the whole question, we, we've answered the question, but just talking about moving the game, I understand the argument, oh, this hurts local businesses. And, and I get that, but it doesn't really hurt them. Like you said, Fitz, you still get seven games. Seven games is the standard operating schedule for K-State since, I don't know, early 2000s? When was the last time K-State regularly had eight or more home games? I mean, it's been a long time since K-State has truly had eight home games. 
And, you know, this, you don't really lose a game. Yeah, you were expecting eight. I totally understand that you're not getting, you know, your return game from Texas or from, from 2016. You know, the road game, you go out to Stanford and now you have a neutral game. Yeah, it absolutely sucks that you don't get to play Stanford at home. It would have been really fun, exciting, you know, the best non-con game since the Auburn game in 2014. So it was a long, you know, when they first scheduled the game, you know, it was going to be this long time before you get the payout. And add in the fact that the Vanderbilt game got canceled this year, you know, it's just... it's painful. And then you look at the future schedule and you see Missouri and we've seen those rumors about where those games might be played. And then you go and you look at here, I've got it pulled up here. You know, if, if those Missouri, Missouri games get played at Arrowhead, you're looking at 2024 against Arizona. And you also get to go to Tulane that to Tulane at you're at Tulane. That's tongue twister. You go, you go, you travel to Tulane, (laughs) um, you know, that year, and then you get army at home in 2025. So, you know, this was kind of that last big chance to get a, a big game at home. And, And I feel for the fans, but if you want to look at the business side of it, Oh, it makes total sense. This is great for the athletic department. You know, I think John Kurtz tweeted out that, you know, 2.2 2.2 million is what KC expects to net, or that's at least their minimum, you know, what they'll, they'll take home. And I didn't realize this K state nets $500,000 for home games. That's it. That is their profit. $500,000 a game for all those fans in that stadium, all the concessions. I know that they haven't had beer sales for a full capacity stadium yet. But still, five hundred thousand dollars is all the profit. Yeah. That's shocking to me. You know, when you when you calculate the expenses and how much you make, that that's kind of shocking to me. And the fact that you can quadruple that or even more, it's a no brainer move, especially in a time like this. You know, if there wasn't a pandemic right now, and if athletic departments weren't hurting right now, I could I could understand more of the argument saying, "Hey, I don't like this move." But the fact of the matter is, you're playing this game in your largest you know, graduate base outside of the state of Kansas and Dallas, you know, this is, you know, if you're going to have a neutral site game, you want to have it in Dallas, at least if if you're K-State. Las Vegas. I I hear you, Fitz. Las Vegas. There's only one or two grads there, I think. All right. Las Vegas. Yeah. I, but uh, yeah, but, and even if you're, if you're mad about this, you know, I know that people are like, I wouldn't go to this, you know, if it wasn't in Dallas, you know, cause I'm in Dallas, but man, the way that K-State graduates get jobs after they, you know, after they're done at K-State, you know, they go to Dallas, you know, you can go to Oklahoma city, all these metros they go to are, are pretty much in big 12 country. You really do have it pretty good as far as travel. If you can't make it back to Manhattan, you can make it up to Norman, Stillwater, Austin, Waco. Probably not Lubbock, but definitely Fort Worth. If you're a DFW K-Stater, you know, and you're you're not going to the TCU game every two years, you know, what are you doing if if you're, you know, you're you're not going to games? So, so I mean, I mean, I don't see it as a big deal to play this play one more game in, in DFW. I don't either. I, I, you know, when you calculate the money in, which you know is a big part of this. 
If you just look at it without thinking of the revenue, I get why some people are upset. But once you realize that it's a $2 million difference probably in the budget, roughly, you go, yeah, okay. But the good news is, Zach, plucking something out of you said there, when they add in beer sales for K-State fans eventually, that home revenue will go from $500,000 to about $3.7 million. Because I know K-State per, per game. They'll drink, okay. they'll drink per, more per than $2 million okay. worth of beer per game. That's, We're being sl- slightly facetious here. Um, that's, slightly. I'm being very uh, pessimistic. They could go as high as $10 million in beer a game. That's that's the kind of faith I have in the, the fan base. But the band should be there. The, the, the new PA announcer, whomever that might be, will be there. Because if you don't know, Dave Lewis has stepped aside. I don't want to say retired because he's still working. He just decided to use his time otherwise. And um, it's going to be very – it'll be a cool environment. I'm not a big fan of I'm, – I'm a fan of the stadium itself but not the environment. It's just out – It's very middle, sterile. It's at, Yeah, it's sterile. It's out in the middle of nowhere. I'm just – yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, I, I would be a fan of uh, – if you got a three-game series at Colorado State, if the – if two of them were a home game for K-State and one was in Mile High, I'd be in. I think that'd be okay. Uh, I, so I'm, what I'm saying here is when you get a chance to reach your fan base that are in other areas, you got to go for it. When you get to expose your team into major metro areas, you got to go for it. Think of it this, in, you know, setting all aside all that, you're playing a Kansas State home game in the largest recruiting territory the Big 12 has by far, by far. So a lot of kids will have access to go to the game if they choose to. They can't. I don't know they count it as an actual home game with giving recruits tickets. I'm not sure how that's going to work, but <clears throat> it's a it's a big opportunity to be exposed in that market and, and hopefully win a game. I wish it was here. I wish it was all in a vacuum and all the bar owners that I'm friends with could make a lot of money. Um, but that two million dollars is is significant, and you you can't calculate anything without putting that into the equation. Gills, as a guy that thinks of things from a student perspective, does this suck, or is this going to is this a fun road trip to have right out of the gate in your college school year next year? Zach, you did a good job of laying out you know all all the pros and cons that come with this, and the one that for me has the most weight though, is the fact that, you know, K-State played Stanford on the road like four or five years ago, and they're not going to get that home game in return. So that's what really angers me the most about this. Um, You know, K-State has, you know, like a home and home with Gonzaga they go out to Seattle and and K-State plays them in Wichita. That's fine. If if they were playing Stanford out in, you know, LA or Sacramento, then I'm all in for this, but K-State had to give up a road game and they're not going to get a home game back. So that's where I'm really disappointed with this. But I mean, you can, you know, there's a million arguments for and against it. I, I see both sides. I think it's kind of, um, I don't know what the word is here. It's, it, it's annoying how much emphasis, oh, the school gets money. It's all about the athletic department. What about the bar owners, the hotel owners, all of these, you know, they're not seeing that money. So in the fans aren't getting that experience that live in Manhattan or, or Kansas city. I know that, you know, the Texas market's great, great for recruiting, but overall I would have to say, play it in, in Manhattan, but I, I, I do see the arguments for for Dallas. I do. But overall, I'm pro-K-State. That's, yeah. I, you know, 
I'm not worked up about this. Um, I know some people are, but the hole in the budget from this year is significant, and I think it became more, even more clear why they needed to do this. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully uh, they'll be at full capacity getting coming full circle on that question. Because of this, they actually get a cut. There's a, you know, after the promoters recover their expenses, then it escalates. I think I read that Alabama for their game got like 4.5. So this could be more. If you can sell this out, if K-Staters can overrun the stadium, I know Stanford won't bring anyone. You want to know why I know that? Because they didn't bring anyone for the home game in Palo Alto. Nobody was there. Oh, school was in session. It doesn't matter if school's not in session in Manhattan. People go to the damn game. They load up the family five hours from western Kansas and go to Manhattan for an 11 a.m. kickoff. Oh, school was in session. You people are soft out there on the west coast. Just soft. That was one of the worst environments I've ever seen. The campus sucked. Uh, the band, I know it's kind of a shtick, but actually it's kind of making fun of the pageantry of college football to have a crappy band like Stanford has, the joke band. Oh, I want to kick their butts. I don't care where it's at. They can play this game in Africa, and Michael Beasley can be the white hat official. I don't care. Let's play this game, and if K-State makes more money kicking their butts in Arlington than Manhattan, bring it on, sign the check, and I'll deposit it. In my account, I mean, this game kind of getting back to the whole business aspect of it, at least at local businesses, this game was going to be a bonus anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, it was going to be a bonus. They're going to get seven. You know, if you get eight, great. You know, it, it, it doesn't really matter who the opponent is when you're counting number of games. I mean, when it comes down to if, if K State fans are going to buy tickets, you know, there's only so many tickets and so many people can come in to the city, to the stadium to watch the game. There's only so many dollars that are in those pockets that are possibly going to spend money. So, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter that the opponent, they could have moved, they could have moved the Texas game or they could have moved the, I don't even here. I got to pull my schedule back up. They moved the, the Southern Illinois game to somewhere else on the planet. Mm. And the, the argument's the same, you know, it was going to be a bonus game, you know, eight, seven, you know, seven's your baseline there. So that's where I don't get terribly worked up. But like you said, Fitz, after the promoters make their money back, K-State gets a cut. So if nobody from Stanford travels, like you've mentioned, and if K-State fans can get a large allotment of tickets in a stadium that seats 80,000 plus, you know, that could be a lot of money. If you if if you guys if you guys want to benefit and help the athletic department out, going to this game is going to help them out. Spending a ton of money at the stadium is going to help them out. Beers, concessions, whatever. Spend a bunch of money at this game because K State is going to get a big cut at the end of the day if you do so. I think they should offer a special ticket plan uh, for this game for KU fans that are in Dallas because. I think at one point in their life, they should get to enjoy college football. I mean, I don't think they've ever seen an actual college football game in person, so that'd be kind of nice for them. Give them half price. They have to sit way up top, but that's okay. I, I'm The only thing I'd, I'm unhappy about is last time I went to the Jerry Dome, uh, we got in there and uh, we got lost. Like the, the entrance to the press box isn't marked. You have to know which door to go through. And, of course, we had no idea, and there was nobody. We worked two, three hours before kickoff, whatever it was. We walked forever. I almost died inside the Jerry Dome. 
It was that bad. Finally found the right place to go. You didn't have me to give you directions. That was part of the problem. That See, I will have you yeah. next year uh, uh, to, for this game, so I will feel better about things. Which is funny because I actually have been inside that press box on a tour. So I could have gotten you there somehow. I don't know, man. It was so weird because the entrance is like off the concourse. And then you go through this back stairs of an unmarked door. I so like trying to get into a secret pizza restaurant in Vegas. Mm, yeah, that one. Hey, yeah. you know, I, I think uh, the Southern Illinois game needs to stay. But the other non-conference game, we could move that one. Nevada? It's Nevada. It's... <laughs> what what town, what city could we move the Nevada game to that'd be neutral site? <sighs> Lake Tahoe Stadium. <laughs> Damn it. It blew up on me. That will do it for the first half of the PowerCat podcast. We're going to do this again later in the week. We hope you'll tune in as uh, we had some great questions here. And the Stanford thing popped up, and we really wanted to dig into it. We'll be back on the other half with more from Fitz and Zach and Gills. And we're sponsored by The Fridge. The PowerCat podcast will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. Number one of two of the week. We had enough questions to parse this out into two parts and we hope you enjoy that but let's just dive right back into the action with this reminder we're sponsored by the fridge and our segment sponsors are the high low and tanners please support local businesses in manhattan or anywhere that you might live gills take it away first question of the second half from k ned how awesome is it that Aaron sproles got elected to the college football hall of fame incredible just so cool that video is so cool all right he so deserves it. Others deserve it. I'll get into that later. But this is another one. This is the third player and third coach. And I know K-Ned knows the three coaches. And I admire anyone else out there who can off the top of their head list those three coaches. One's Bill Snyder. That coached at K-State that are in the College Football Hall. But he is the third player, but only the second player from the Bill Snyder time. Of course, Mark Simino's in and Gary Spaney pre Snyder is in the hall. There's so many other guys, uh, but Darren deserves it. Darren's a special guy and a special player, and it's really cool for the program. 
we've got more questions about this, but it's completely deserved. You know, if you look back, especially at the Snyder era of players that, you know, if you had to make a top five of players that should absolutely be in the College Football Hall of Fame, I mean, he's probably either one or two. I mean, he's he's clearly, you know, earned it, and he's at the top of the list of, of people that should be next, so to speak, to, to go into the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Next question from KNED again. How much more awesome and what kind of statement about Bill Snyder's program is being made that Sproles happens to go in with two people he took part in beating soundly, Bob Stoops and Carson Palmer? Hmm, that's pretty cool. Um, to be honest, I never, I didn't ever look at the full list. I knew Coach Stoops well, was going in. Added, added Tony Romo to that too. Yeah, if they did beat them. Yeah, I. You what, know. Like it's crazy thinking about that era like that 2002 season all of the players that you know k-state played against um i don't know if troy troy palomalu was still there in 02 but he was there in 01 you know you throw in carson palmer and tony romo there's a ton of guys that k-state either played or k-state even played in manhattan you know that that are these legends so it's just it's cool to think about you know how significant that era of football was, you know, across all of football, you know, college and pro and just how K-State played a role in it. I, I don't know what Tony Romo's numbers were at Eastern Illinois. I know he was really productive, um, but I don't think they won the national championship. I, I was a little surprised by his inclusion, but I've shared this story before, but I remember speaking with Bobby Elliott, the defensive coordinator at the time, about the game with Eastern Illinois and, uh, you know, how to get your team up, you know, because it was a mismatch and it ended up being a mismatch. And he goes, Fitz, their quarterback's legit. I'll never forget it. He said, he's going to play in the league. Absolutely going to play in the league. I'm like, well, what? And then he came in and kind of stunk, but Coach Elliott was right. Tony Romo was pretty good in the league and pretty good in the the commentating box, although I wonder if he did a remote game, if he could stay focused on the topic. Hmm. I bet you he could. He's he he is doing remote the last couple of games. Oh, that's true. I want to know what Bob Elliott's stock tips are from 2002. No Any good ones? No doubt. That was, a, that was a pretty good call on his part. And you could see that he was pretty good, but back then those games were just such a mismatch. It's amazing how the FCS level, which was one double one A that back then, has closed the gap. They really are getting more players. They're doing a good job selling that you can come in and play uh, rather than go sit on the bench at a, you know, FBS program, whether it's Power 5 or not. They've done a good job of recruiting players to that level, and the, the level of play has risen dramatically since then. Another question from KNED. Was USC 2002 the most electric crowd in Harley Day history? Were you aware Aaron Andrews was the TBS sideline reporter? No, I was not, um, because I, I don't think of other women. Um, look, <laughs> at the time, I didn't know, but I did know that stat, you know, looking at the, at the game, probably even, you know, 10 years ago. I was like, oh, that's Aaron Andrews. I didn't know. People always bring this up. What's oh, the loudest moment in K-State Stadium history? Bill Snyder, KSU, whatever you want to call it. It's that game for me. It was the yep. Terrence Newman, the blocked extra point that he scooped up. Because Absolutely. what I, I remember about it is you go back and look at the highlights and in, in the angle that was sitting up in the what south end zone uh, shooting down the field, the, the camera stand was shaking because the stadium was so loud. The camera was vibrating. 
Um, just incredible. It, I'd never heard of that stadium like that and haven't since. And there's been some pretty loud moments and some pretty big games. But that moment uh, when he scooped up that ball and started just weaving his way up the field for what turned out to be a two-point conversion because people didn't know what was going on. Um, I mean, that was one of those rules that you didn't really know about back then. She returned it for two points. And, uh, but yeah, it was amazing. It was an amazing environment. And I, I just think of that Auburn game you mentioned from 2014. And I'm, I'm struck by the fact that if they move the Missouri games, there will be a 10 year gap between power five opponents, non-conference opponents coming into the home field. It's crazy to think about that. But, um, if if K State had found a way to win against Auburn on a you know a late significant play, imagine how loud that day would have been at Bill Snyder that night, because that's what happened there. It was just incredible. I mean, I think that Auburn game probably is the loud since working for Go Power Cat. I think that probably is the loudest football game I've been to. You know, just the, the environment probably even louder than OU last year. Just you know, it was exciting Thursday night game, but. Like you mentioned, Fitz, that Terrence Newman moment. I mean, that that moment, I don't want to say it defines me as a K-State, you know, fan at the time and as a person, but man, like when I look back and think about, you know, the moment where you're like, yeah, I'm a K-State fan, that that's the moment for me is that Terrence Newman extra point block and returns it for two points. You know, it's just, it's so much, you know, it's fun to think about and remember. It, it, it's such a fun memory to to remember that 2000, that game itself and, and that season in particular, you know, and then what, you know, happened the next season. I mean, it's just a euphoric time in K-State football. Yep, it was really cool. Last question of the podcast from Dan, the Wildcat fan. The college football playoffs stunk out loud this year and has for years. I don't think expanding the playoffs is enough. Would you be in favor of reducing scholarships to 65 or 70 to increase competitive balance. No, no, 85 is as low as you really, I mean, unless you really want to, you know, just rely on so many walk-ons all the time. I don't think reducing scholarships at this point helps. Lowering it from 105 to 95 to 85 closed the gap. But now the, the gap is about finances as much as anything. I mean, I just think it's an it's become so unfair because I have like Auburn, excuse me, like Alabama, excuse me, Alabama fans, all three of you that might listen to this podcast. Um, it's just the gap's just enormous. Now, I, I did the daily delivery on this, so I've said my piece on that uh, form, but expanding the playoff will offer more teams access to the playoff. Doesn't mean they'll have a chance to win. Uh, you know, an actual tangible chance, but they'll be in the conversation. They'll be on the national stage. They will have a shot. And and this has gotten so absurd with Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama having a chokehold on three of the four spots that, as I mentioned in the daily delivery, that programs like Texas and Oklahoma have become have-nots at the elite level of college football. Think about that. Think about how stupid that is. It's crazy. All five Power Five conferences should have a seat at the table in the playoff. If you win one of those conferences, you're in, period. And then the best of the rest gets another spot. So 
Go track down Joel Klatt on Twitter. Look up his plan. I think eight is enough. He argues it is not enough because that only leaves you two more spots. And he would like to see it mimic the NFL playoffs with 14, meaning your top two seeds do get buys and everyone else plays that first week. It's intriguing. The whole thing's very intriguing to me. I think you have to lower the, the conference schedule to 11 games. But also one of his things, and which was one of my things when I talked about improving college football, is you should be required to play 10 Power 5 games in your schedule to even be eligible to be in the playoff if you're a Power 5 team. And I, I, the SEC has been playing eight conference games with four non-conference games, and a lot of them play a good Power 5 program. But that schedule then becomes no different than the Big 12 playing nine in their conference. It's crazy to me that you can shortcut to the system. Everyone should be required, if you're going to get the Power 5 automatic bid, to play 10 Power 5 teams in your schedule and lower that season to 11 so you're only getting one program like in Eastern Illinois or, you know, Southern Illinois or whatever that you might play, or Nevada. In fact, I think part of my plan was to break off the FCS into their own season so they wouldn't even overlap into the Big 12 or into the Power 5 at all. It wouldn't be scheduled. You would have to play a non-Power 5, you know, a group of six program in your non-conference. I. I love Joel Klatt's ideas. I kind of agree with him that eight's too narrow. I think we would regret it if we went to eight because then people would want 14. Just go to 14 or 16 and cut one game off the season. Just cut it off and then allow teams to postseason like they did this year. Nobody took advantage of it. Schedule an extra game at the end of the season if you don't get invited to a bowl. And again, let me emphasize this. I can't be more emphatic about it. I don't give a crap about the bowls anymore. I don't care. I don't want them to be part of the playoff. If they want to go do their own thing, like the NIT, go do it. But the top 14 teams are going to the playoff, and if you want to take the best of the rest for the Rose Bowl, have fun. If you still want to play the Potato Bowl or the Knee-High Sox Bowl or any other bowl you want to come up with, great. Yeah, go go ahead and do it. But the top 14 are going to a playoff. That's how the game's going to be played from now on. When you started selling your name and changing things like, oh, move the Rose Bowl to Arlington. I'm done with you. I don't care. There's no tradition. There's no honor. What they're protecting is someone's business, which might be a foundation. But at the end of the day, there's a bunch of people that are getting paid to be on the Rose Bowl committee, staff, whatever. Just let's go to a playoff. This is a business, and the the Power Five and any FCS, excuse me, FBS program needs to think of it that way. The money would be incredible. And, oh, by the way, the money then should be earmarked to go back to players, not to pay Nick Saban even more money. In fairness to the Rose Bowl situation this year, they were not going to be allowed to play the game in Pasadena this no, year. They were, they were going to be able to play. They just couldn't have fans. They moved it okay. because the parents couldn't go. And I get that. I, I'm, I'm, I understand there was extenuating circumstances. The only other time it's been moved is 1941 because it was after Pearl Harbor, and they moved it to Duke's home field, which seems really fair, by the way. Look, I get it, but 
I, I just don't I don't buy into the tradition anymore. The Rose Bowl might be the most traditional of them all. You know, the Orange Bowl, the Cotton Bowl. Screw you guys. You don't play in the Orange Bowl or Cotton Bowl anymore. There were stadiums named that. So I don't I don't feel like it's about tradition anymore. It's just about this is the way we've always done it, which yeah. is the worst reason to do anything in the world. But building on your on your proposal, if the bowl games went back to being bowl games, that would help out their tradition again. If you exclude them from the playoff, you know, the bowl games become what they were. You know, that's the, the pinnacle of those two teams instead of, you know, when you think about the Rose Bowl or the, you know, the Fiesta Bowl or the Orange Bowl or the you know, whatever else bowl, Cotton Bowl, you know, those are, you know, the finale of your season. You know, those are what should be the pinnacle of what your season was. You don't get to go to the Cotton Bowl and then to the national championship, or you shouldn't. You know, you mm-hmm. shouldn't win a, you shouldn't get a trophy for winning a semifinal, in my opinion here. I mean, it's cool that you do, you know, at least, you know, the person that loses the, that loses the national championship game, you know, Ohio State still won a bowl game this year. You know, their season wasn't completely lost, but, should they deserve a, I don't even remember what bowl game they played in. I, I couldn't tell you because it doesn't really matter what bowl game they played in when you rotate them every three years, you know, you know what the new year's six are, you know, they're just kind of that they're just kind of, you know, that's, that's what this is. So yeah, send the bulls back down a level and then you have the playoff and guess what? You know, there should be national championship games played in Minnesota, Indianapolis, you know, there should be semifinals in these domed stadiums where they have, if, if you can host a Super Bowl, you should be hosting a semifinal or you should be hosting, uh, you know, the national championship game. You know, there's no reason that like you've said, Fitz, the tradition's gone. There's no tradition other than the fact that we invented this computer system to give us the BCS and, Oh, these are the bulls that are going to be involved and that's our tradition now, you know, they've shoehorned this in and like, Oh, well we made it a tradition. We got to keep it around, you know, just make a playoff. It's clear that the playoff is its own thing. Now it's its own tradition. You know, it, they aren't playing the finals, you, you know, back when the BCS was still around and they implemented the national championship game as a standalone, they were still playing them after the Rose bowl or after the Fiesta bowl. And they still kind of had the same branding, but they were their own game. You know, once you did that, I mean, you've kind of separated the two things here. So just make it a playoff, go play in domes, anywhere, you know, where they have final fours, even, I mean, it doesn't really matter where these games get played. You know, they are made for TV events and for the fans of those two teams. I mean, that's it. That's it. So just, Get get away from, from the bull from the system of incorporating the bulls into the playoff. Gills, you have any thoughts on this? Mm, I mean, we've talked about this a few weeks back, and what what you were talking about, Fitz. I just there's never gonna no, we're not gonna be happy no matter what happens. There's always gonna be someone's gets left out. Yeah. I mean, as long as there's a committee, we're going to be unhappy. Okay. Cause the NFL NBA, there's a set, you know, you go by your, your record. So there is no disputing what happens. Um, and you can't just leave out the non-power five teams 
Um, but if it's, it's, I mean, you could, I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with this. We're never going to be happy. No matter if it's 16 teams or four teams. The equivalent of getting to the end of the NFL and saying, Oh, Cleveland, I know you earned it on the field, but we're going to leave you out. You know, I mean, that's kind of what mm-hmm. college does. This will really, if you go to the full fledged 14, if you're arguing whether you're one of the top 14 teams, I mean, if you're in and you're anything below eight, just be thankful yeah. you're in. I mean, if you're 15 in the country and you don't think the team in front of you at 14 is better than you, oh, I'm sorry, man. You're 15 in the country. You know? Yeah. You were nowhere it's, near a conversation before. It's just like the bubble in the NCAA tournament. You can expand. You know, there's always going to be a bubble. You know, as long as there is a subjective element to making the playoffs or making the NCAA tournament, if there's if it's always going to be subjective, somebody is always going to be quote unquote left out and feels like they were shorted, you know, what their season could have been. And it's just too bad, you know, but at least right now you can't argue with me that Texas A&M wouldn't have, you know, shown up better than Ohio state in the final or, or Notre Dame or whoever else, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous that we have this argument that, you know, oh, the people that are against expanding the playoff because, you know, people are going to be upset anyway. Well, at least five through eight right now at least deserve a chance. They don't even have a chance. The Big 12, the Pac-12, they didn't have a chance this year. And I kind of want to move on to a kind of pivoting to kind of what you said earlier about money fits. You know, as long as these – I don't really agree with the scholarship reductions. I mean, I think it would somewhat work. I think you would have a redistribution of talent, but there's no draft in college football. So, you know, you've got to come up with ways. How can we figure out how to reallocate money or, and talent, you know, and, and maybe there's a spending cap, you know, you've, I know I'm kind of borrowing this from formula one, what they're implementing this year, but you know, you can only spend X amount of dollars on your, on your car. You know, that's what you should be able to spend on your football team or whatever. That's interesting. You, know, you, you can't, you know, there, there's this gap. I mean, there really is an interesting parallel here, here to, to draw to F1, you know, there's three teams that really dominate. You know, if you're not in one of those three teams, you know, you're not going to compete for a championship. And even between the three teams, you know, Mercedes is Alabama and, you know, whoever else is going to come after them. It doesn't really matter who the second team is, you know, because you have the best drivers, you have the best players, you know, it's just, it is what it is. And you're going to win every year, but, you know, coming next year, you know, they can only spend so much money. So now teams below them, they can spend that much money on development. And, and that's, you know, hopefully gonna, you know, with some rule changes, create some parity there, hopefully, but, you know, to, to move that to college football, you know, if you cap how much you can spend on coaches, how much you can spend on going and visiting recruits. I mean, there's, there's way, there are solutions here. The big boys aren't going to like them, but you know, at some point you got to say, Hey, you have a $20 million salary cap on your coaching staff. I mean, that's, I know that's 
completely ridiculous. Well, I, I like That's the a ridiculous idea. Number, but create some sort of spending cap on on what you can spend. You know, I don't know where what the right answer is, but I mean, I think it does start. You know, when Nick Saban's making billions of dollars a year, you know, and you have, you know, you know, analysts on shoe performance for, you know, the first three games, you know, whoever that person does that runs those stats, you know, how many of those types of people can you possibly have on your staff? I know I'm pulling fake positions. Well, but what I like about your idea is if you just cap the overall football budget. Yeah. Do you, do you want to spend that money on your coach on recruiting? What do you, what, you know, prior to prioritize what you want to spend your money on, but you got this pool of money. What are you going to do with it? I kind of like it. I think it might really bring in some cheating with how you cheat on the budget. And, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. That will do it for this edition of the Powercat Questions podcast. The good news is the thread is back open for more questions from you fine people at Wabash Station. We need some more questions as we're going to give you a second Powercat Questions podcast of the week. There's no midweek basketball game, but you get another podcast. Wow, that's that's actually a pretty good trade-off. I hadn't thought of that. I mean... You always win with a podcast in basketball. You know. Powercat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.